Hi, Mom. My mom's here. <laughs> I wasn't going to start it that way, but she's so cute. <laughs> All right. I love wave pools. Am I alone? Anybody love a good wave pool? Yeah? Yeah, okay, then I have to let you know that the best wave pool in all of the Midwest is at Mahoney State Park in Nebraska. I know, I know Nebraska, but trust me, it's amazing. You have to go. We actually have, oh, yep, there I am. Just kidding, that's not me. <laughs> Wanted to give you a little visual representation, though. Now, entering a wave pool is pretty awkward, you know. You want to just run in. So you try, but then the waves hit your shins and kind of slow you down, so you do this awkward, like, step over them, and then they start to get a little bit higher into your shoulders, so you're kind of, like, going into the waves, and it's all just a little weird until you're fully submerged. As a kid, I would go to the furthest place that you can in a wave pool, like the boss I was, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't use an inner tube like this guy. Too brave for that but I would just bob up and down with the waves and look at the cute tan lifeguard thinking, wow, <laughs> he's probably super impressed with me. <laughs> and then one time when I was eight or nine at Mahoney State Park in my beloved wave pool, something suddenly went wrong. In a quick turn of events, I was under the water and my timing was completely off. I'd come up for air at the same time another big wave was crashing over me. And I thought, this is it. <laughs> Until suddenly, a middle-aged man on an inner tube, which I said was for wussies in passing, grabbed my arm and let me hold onto his tube as we drifted to shore. <laughs> Thank you, stranger. How embarrassing. I looked quick to see if the lifeguard had seen any of this, which he didn't, which is pretty alarming, actually. But I, I was super thankful, my nine-year-old self was, because if he did see me almost perish in the wave pool, then he definitely wouldn't be asking me out then. The waves can be so much fun. The waves can be completely terrifying. We're now going to open our Bibles to the book of Matthew in chapter 14 in verse 22. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, the first of the Gospels that give an account to Jesus' life. I'll give you a second. Oh, let me open mine too. So we're in the thick of Jesus' life in his ministry here. Last week, in the beginning of chapter 14, we had Jeff Mickey here to teach on Jesus feeding the thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and fish. And that we bring hope to our world when we give what little we can offer to Jesus and watch him multiply that. So we're picking up in 22, right after that miracle was performed. You can follow along with me in your Bibles or on your phone. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. 
and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, there's so much good stuff happening in this little piece of scripture, a lot to pull from, but there are two points, two words, actually, that I want to focus on that bring us hope. Now, if you're using an NIV Bible, which I hear is what was passed out, your wording was probably a little different. If you're using an ESV, like me, in verse 25, I want you to highlight or underline the word came. If you're using a different translation, your Bible might say went, so you should underline that word. Went, came, the sentiment's the same. That was lame, so it wasn't a game. All right, <laughs> moving on. The first point I want to focus on is that Jesus comes to us in our storms. We have hope because the one who can save us comes to us. Jesus could have stopped the wind and waves from afar, but he chose to get close. In verse 25 it says, And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. After the series of lamentations and just the mess of our world, I know a lot of you are hurting and you feel like you're beaten by the waves of life. Jesus meets you in it. He walks on water to reach you. The disciples in this story are in the Sea of Galilee, which is recorded to produce over 10 feet waves. And that didn't stop Jesus from coming to the boat. And if the disciples were in fact on the complete opposite side of the sea, that means that Jesus walked on water through a storm for three miles. No storm is too big for Jesus to walk through, to sit with you, to cry with you, and just to be with you. Jesus comes, sometimes like in this story, uninvited into our waves and chaos. The disciples weren't crying out for him. They actually cried when they saw him because they thought he was a ghost. But Jesus comes for his people even when they don't acknowledge him or ask him to. Jesus came for me even when I didn't ask him to. Beginning of my freshman year at UNI, I had no aspirations of growing in my faith. I had an idea of what college would be. You know, I've seen the movies, and quite frankly, developing a relationship with God were not the main themes I gathered. I was ready to have fun. But I was invited to basic by my freshman roommate and went only because I wanted her to think I was a good person. That and I put on my Panther Picks profile that I loved God. Honestly, I just thought that would secure me a roommate that wouldn't stab me in my sleep. <laughs> Sorry, Morgan. 
My thoughts during after my first night at basic were, music was good, but for the love of Pete, what's everyone's hands raised during the songs? My hard, skeptic heart thought there was no possible way that there could actually be more to God than what I knew. I kept coming to basic with friends to upkeep my nice person facade. Church, though, took me a little longer to get to. But using the excuse of doing homework at 10 a.m. on a Sunday started to get old, so I went to Orchard Hill. Jesus kept walking towards me in my shaky boat during this time, and I started to, for the first time in my life, be interested in who he was. I considered myself a Christian my whole life, but was just starting to believe for the first time that Jesus Christ was real. And God had impeccable timing with this because the fall of my freshman year, I didn't know how big of a storm I was in myself or that my heart was about to capsize. I need a drink, one second. (laughs) Not that like clickiness you get when you speak. In Matthew here, it says that Jesus comes to the disciples in the boat during the fourth watch of the night, which is translated to anywhere between 3 and 6 a.m., the darkest, most unexpected time one would think to have a spiritual moment with God is when he came to them. I know some of you in the room tonight have been here. My fourth watch of the night was sitting on one of the yellow lawn chairs in the middle of UNI's campus the Friday night of homecoming at 2 a.m. The lowest point I've ever reached. Overcome with hopelessness of what my life would be, feeling no value, asking myself why I'm even here. Will this sadness ever go away? And if not, what's the point? Jesus was there with me that night. I didn't identify him at first, the same way the disciples in the boat didn't. But Jesus sat with me, and he showed up in the form of my brother answering my phone call in the middle of the night and comforting me for a couple hours until I had the strength to get up and walk back to my dorm. And in the following months, Jesus stuck around, not always or ever invited. Jesus sits with us in our storms for as long as they endure. But that's not the end of the story here in Matthew, and it's not the end of our story either. But in his timing... He gently extends his hand and invites us to step out of the boat with him. The second word I want you to highlight in verse 29 is come. Came, come. Now you see I was so set on that. The continuity was too good. In verse 28, it says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on water and came to Jesus. It wasn't until March that I finally said yes to Jesus, got out of my boat, and put my hope in him alone. The time between the fall and spring of my freshman year was hard and complicated while trying to figure out who Jesus was and what that meant for my life. I was stuck in the boat for months while Jesus was calling me out and inviting me into a life with him. 
And I stayed in the boat for many reasons. If I actually gave my life to Jesus, wouldn't I turn into some Christian robot who only tweets Bible verses, not just dumb and dumber quotes? I liked my personality and my humor and sometimes swear words that came along with it. Would that have to change? Sure as heck not. Hope not. Watch that. I stayed in my boat. <laughs> okay. All right. I stayed in my boat because I didn't want to be automatically labeled as judgmental or hypocritical. I was afraid if I followed Jesus, I would become judgmental. I wanted to drink alcohol on the weekends like a normal college student and not have to feel bad about it. How do I live for Jesus when I also want to live the way I want to? I stayed in the boat because it was what I knew, and the unknown terrified me. But during those months, I was also getting to see more and more of Jesus coming to me on the water. And once I got close enough to his beauty, his warmth, the love in his eyes for me, I stepped out of the boat and began the greatest adventure of my life. Peter in this story would not have gotten out of the boat and risked his life if he wasn't sure it was actually Jesus or not. Maybe you're still in the boat because you haven't gotten close enough to see Jesus yourself. Hearing about him isn't enough reason to get you out of the boat. Another person's faith isn't enough to get you out of the boat. But what captivates and lures us out of the boat and onto the water with Jesus is seeing him in our lives for ourselves. And it's not an easy thing to do, to leave what we know and what's comfortable to take a step towards Jesus. But we meet Jesus and experience him, experience him in a way we never have before when we step out of our comfort zones, out of our boats, and onto the water with him. Last spring, my dad went to Haiti with me on the spring break trip. Ask anyone close to our family, my, my mom too, ask her if you want, and they would say that my father would be the last person to go on a mission trip. Hardworking, conservative, business-minded, tough guy who, like me, thought being strong in your faith was more of an annoying hobby some people took to Facebook rather than an actual reality. But Jesus, like I said, pursues us even when we don't ask him to. And this looked like me calling my parents during my freshman year and begging them to come to this church called Orchard Hill that I'd been attending, telling them, it's different, and I think there might be actually more to this Jesus guy than we've always thought. My parents are good parents, and I'm good at manipulation, so they came one Sunday. <laughs> and then they came some more Sundays, sometimes just to drive to church and then go back home two and a half hours away. Every time my dad would come and visit church, he'd cry. I went from seeing my dad cry maybe twice in my life to tears every Sunday at Orchard. 
Jesus was gently tearing down walls that most I don't have feelings or fear type of people have. With each visit to Cedar Falls and Orchard Hill, Jesus was coming to my dad on the water during his storm and sitting with him, healing him, until he invited my dad out of the boat, which once again looked like me calling him and begging him to go on a mission trip with me to Haiti. After five months of praying but never thinking it actually happened, Jesus showed himself to my dad in a work conference in Florida where the speaker challenged everyone to write down something they said they would do and do it. I got a picture message from my dad that day of a little card that read, I will go to Haiti because I said I would. I've never seen my dad so scared to do something in his life. Seriously, at 54, he agreed to do something so unbelievably out of his comfort zone. He was insecure that he was going on a trip with 20 people half his age, but a lot further in their faith. He checks his work emails on family vacation. How is he going to do in a third world country for a week? My dad, with a racing pulse, shaky legs, and fear in his eyes, stepped out of the boat. And he met Jesus. Where? On top of a mountain in Haiti. I was talking to my dad the other day, asking if it was okay for me to share his story, and he just decided to email me exactly what he experienced. These are his words. The last morning, when we were going to hike the mountain, I found a new level of anxiety. 54-year-old, out-of-shape businessman, surrounded by people that get up and go for runs in the morning. <laughs> Not one of them, but <laughs> How would I make it? How can I gracefully bow out? A quick prayer to give me the strength, and off we went. I personally felt God pushing me, keeping me going, as if he wanted to show me something. Reaching the top was overwhelming. The charred landscape, which I, believe which, which I believe was from lightning strikes, cleared a place for us to sit and take a break. As I sat, I looked up with tears in my eyes and saw a beautiful little flower growing out of the burnt landscape. On top of this mountain, I felt a closeness to God I have never felt before. We sat, we prayed, we sang, rejoicing in his creation. We had time to sit and reflect. I gave thanks for the opportunity. When we step out in faith and trust God, it not only produces and strengthens faith within us, but the people around witnessing it. When Peter and Jesus got back in the boat, that's when the others who stayed in, stayed in said, truly, you are the Son of God, and they began to worship him. Hope in Jesus was physically experienced by Peter, but that same hope manifested itself in those who saw the miracle too. When you witness someone put all their hope in Jesus and watch as they walk on water with him, it changes you. 
When my dad decided to go to Haiti, some of his coworkers thought he was crazy. But they leaned in with curiosity, wondering, how will this go for a guy like us doing a thing like that? And when my dad got back, he got to share how he experienced God. I'm sure some people don't get it, but I know some are changed by it. And I bet when Peter got back in the boat, the disciples wished they would have stepped out like Peter did and hoped that someday they would get another chance to. Witnessing someone put all their hope in Jesus changed them. Now, when I first read this story, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so Peter. Seeing Jesus come to me physically, but questioning if he was actually God and telling him to prove himself. But as I kept reading, I realized I am naturally more of the other disciples who stayed in the boat, terrified. It's our human complex to stick with what we know and spend our lives making sure we minimize any potential risk to fail. We don't naturally want to do things that make us uncomfortable. And honestly, you know this, we can choose not to. Jesus didn't force or push Peter to do anything. Jesus just simply came to calm the storm. And when Jesus got close enough, Peter couldn't resist but to be where he was. Peter made the decision to put his hope in Jesus, all of it, and something supernatural happened because of it. We can put our hope in things other than Jesus, but then we'll never walk on the water. We can stay in the boat, and Jesus will still love us, but he's inviting us out of the boat. He's extending the opportunity to walk on water with him, to experience the best, most thrilling adventure. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus, or you've never wanted to give all of yourself to him, and he's calling, at, he's calling you to step out and trust him for the first time. Maybe you've known and been following Jesus for a while, He's continually calling us out of boats of comfort and familiarity and onto the water. Maybe for someone here tonight, getting out of the boat looks like the decision to get out of bed in the morning. Don't compare the steps Jesus is asking you to take with someone else. And even if we choose to stay in the boat, storms will still come. We might as well get out and go to where Jesus is, our hope. And when we falter, he immediately catches us, just like he did Peter. We touch Jesus when we get out and do something uncomfortable. And we give the world hope when it witnesses us walking on water with him. It makes people think that maybe they could too. I'm going to invite the band up now. And they're here to carve out some time and space for you to meet Jesus. Maybe you're in a storm right now and you're needing Jesus to walk right up to your boat and be with you. During these next moments, make room in your heart and your mind for Jesus to sit with you, to love you, and to give you the hope that you're needing.
Jesus also extends his hand and invites us into a life of freedom with him outside of the boat. That is something to hope in. Jesus is alive and moving in this world, even in the messiest, most unexpected places. And it sometimes looks like a storm of waves and wind during the fourth watch of the night. So for these next few moments, think about what boat Jesus is calling you out of and onto the water with him. And will you accept his invitation? the heart of every single person in this room you know what we hope in you know what boats we're stuck in Jesus what we need is to see you right in front of us extending your hand with the fire and love in your eyes saying let's go Let's live life together. God, I just ask tonight that you strip away fear that we have and hesitancies we have from giving all of ourself and putting all of our hope in you. You are so good and you can and you want to. Jesus, we ask that you do. It's in your name, the only name you can walk on water. Walk on water. Jesus, you did that. Coming to us in our mess is not too much. It is in your name.